Hey friends, John White here. This is Stories from the Revolution, and it's sort of a special episode. It's number 77. Um, I'm going to do something I haven't done before, and that is to make some observations about what I see in church one-on-one groups. Um, the episode that I started making with Kent, uh, I'll post that next week. This is the one, part two of Disciple Making Movements. But I just was so excited about some of the things that I'm seeing happen in Church 101. I was inspired to create a special episode on this. So let me say a word about th this podcast. Um, I, I am amazed and humbled at how God is using this Stories from the Revolution podcast. Um, so far, there have been over 23,000 plays of the episodes, and it's growing rapidly. Almost every week, I hear stories about how people are working their way through each episode. Somebody said, I'm two-thirds of the way through your episodes. That's amazing. Um, now, in some cases, the podcast has been their introduction to Luke 10 and Church 101. Recently, um, I heard a guy who is a pastor and actually a network leader of a number of churches. Here's what he said. A friend of his had sent him episodes three and 60. And he listened to those. He said, as I listened to them, I started weeping. And I said to myself, I'm not crazy. And I've actually found some people who know how to do church this way. You see, God had put a vision for church, a different way of church in his heart years ago, but it was so different from what he had known and from what everybody else was doing. He wondered if he was crazy. And when he listened to those episodes, he said, I'm not crazy. Somebody else is thinking very similar kinds of things. <laughs> I, I wept when I heard that story. That was amazing. I'm also seeing a lot of people are listening to the podcast along with Church 101. It's kind of like dual learning. So they're going through Church 101 and listening to this in at the same time. And they're listening in the car, in the gym, or different places. And, uh, and then they're sharing it with their friends. So we're really seeing a viral kind of thing happening uh, with these episodes. It makes me think back on the title of one of my favorite books. You guys, have, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you've heard me talk before about Roland Allen. Um, he was a, an Anglican priest back in the first half of the 20th century, and he wrote a book called The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church. I first heard that title from somebody maybe 40 years ago, 50 years ago, maybe. And I thought, that's so cool. What would spontaneous expansion look like? So I've always longed to see that. Not the programmatic expansion of the church that the American church is specialized in, organizational expansion, <clears throat> but the spontaneous expansion that the spirit brings. And, and we're starting to see that. It is so, it is so fun to see that. One of my great joys is being able to listen in on some of the Church 101 groups. A lot of times the facilitator will make a video and um, I get to watch some of those videos. And, and it is just a great joy for me to be able to do that. And along the way, I realize that I'm there's, there are things that come to mind that I'm thinking might be helpful to the rest of you guys as you're going through this process. Just because I've been doing this for Luke 10 for 15 years and really the whole house church, small group kind of thing for more than 25 years. So 
we've just learned a lot of things, made a lot of mistakes. We kind of know what works, what doesn't work. And so I'm just going to even be even more intentional about taking note of where the coach stops me when I'm listening to one of these um, videos um, and, and then share with you my observations and comments. Here's what I feel like the Lord is, is stopping me and here's what he wants to say. Having said that, I want to say a word about confidentiality. Um, I want you to know that in Luke 10, we don't share videos publicly without permission. I get to see some of these church one-on-one groups because I'm part of the leadership, but we don't make them public. We want people to feel safe, to share honestly, like you know, what they share is not going to be publicized around the world. So confidentiality. One of the first things that I see, and, and the Lord always stops me on this, and I just take great delight in it, is that over and over in church 101 groups, I see what I would maybe call immediate community. Do you remember back in the day in traditional church where it would take months, maybe even years, before a person felt like they were a part of the church? And now we are seeing rapid heart-level connections between people they almost seem impossible. It, it's so fast. Connections or bonding that are really just the result of these two simple rhythms of attention. Checking in with Sachet, listening to Jesus. Over and over, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, people report in their church one-on-one group feeling safe and cared for. They feel free to share openly. I remember one lady said this, um, you know, when we started this church one-on-one group, we were complete strangers. We'd never met each other before. They were from different places around the world. But after going through just a few weeks of this, working through the rhythms together, she said this statement, I feel closer to this group in like five weeks than I am to my church, the people in my church that I've been going to for 10 years. This is amazing. So, that's one of the things that just strikes my attention, and I, I love, I love seeing that. All right, next topic, <laughs> pickleball. So, I've been a tennis player most of my life, and just recently, I'm feeling drawn to pickleball. Maybe as I've gotten older, I want to give that a try. And it strikes me that there are at least two ways to learn, two primary ways to learn. Um, the first way is I would call just do it. Um, you can just show up and start playing with some people. Um, Learn as you go. And that's great. That's a great way to learn it. The second way is to work with a coach, take a lesson. And in fact, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow, Monday. I have a a lesson with uh, Joy, who is one of the coaches here at the club where we belong, um, 1130. And that'll be my first pickleball lesson. It's not either or, it's both and. It's not just do it or work with a coach, it's both and. And it strikes me that the same thing is true in learning the rhythms of attention. There are at least two ways to learn. Um, And so it's not either or, but it's both and. So the first way is to just do it. And we see a lot of that. Um, People in church one-on-one groups begin spontaneously practicing the rhythms with other people, maybe with their spouse, <clears throat> with their children, with their family. Um, one of these pastors is kind of taking it to other pastors, and he's teaching them how to do it. I think that's fantastic. That's really viral multiplication, and it's spreading. 
Again, it's the spontaneous expansion of the church. Last year, we had about 250 people that went through Church 101. Um, and, and so in a sense, I think of those as like the first generation people. But almost all of those people began sharing with other people. Again, family members, friends, whatever else, second generation. Some of them went on to the third generation and so on. So how many people did Luke 10 train last year? Well, 250, but actually probably way, it's probably in the thousands. There's no way to track um, generational kind of stuff, but we, we hear stories of that all the time. <clears throat> um, and so that's really, really cool. So just do it or work with a coach learning these rhythms. What does that mean? So if you're going out and sharing with other people and they're learning the rhythms of attention, it's also valuable for them to get, to sign up for Church 101 and go through it with a facilitator. I'll give you three reasons for that. Number one, um, it's, it's a more thorough experience if you're going through a Church 101 group with a trained facilitator. In Luke 10, we work really hard on training facilitators. It's one of the most important things we do. And so going through a Church 101 group with someone who's been trained like that uh, can be really important. Secondly, if you sign up for Church 101, you get access to the learning portal. Um, it, 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 lots of great material there. I think that's really important. And then thirdly, it puts you in connection with the larger Luke 10 community. You kind of get the bigger picture and you get to learn from others uh, who have the same DNA. So again, not either or, but both and. It's not just kind of just do it and hang out with some people, learn spontaneously, great value in that, but also great value in encouraging those people also to go through Church 101. Okay, next subject. Um, as I watch people learning how to check in with Sachet, I had lots of thoughts about that. What you learn in Church 101 is just the basics, and, and those are powerful. I mean, that's life-changing, just starting with that. So it's a starting place. But what I want to tell you is there's so much more. Checking in, um, so I'm just going to list off a bunch of things that come to my mind. First of all, it's hugely flexible. So you could you could literally check in with a person in one minute. Let's say you're stressed for time, don't have much time, you're on a phone call, you've got one minute. You could do a, you could share one emotional word and one sentence about why you're feeling that way. That's great. Or let's say you have more time. A check-in could be like an hour. Um, my CO2 partner uh, was recently, this last weekend, visiting down here in Naples, Florida. And we were able to get together and have breakfast together. We did sort of an extended check-in. And we, we really could take time to share uh, in depth what's going on in our hearts and listen to each other. So uh, the next thought about checking in is it's a place where attunement um, is really appropriate. So if my CO2 partner is sharing about his heart, what I want to do is I want to attune to his heart, especially if I have time to do that. What does that mean? I love Carl Lehman's definition of attunement. I feel somebody's attuned to me if I feel like they really see me, they really hear me, they really understand me, they see how big it is, whatever the it is, and they're glad to be with me. So this is one of the relational brain skills that we want to develop in Luke 10, learning how to be great listeners to each other, uh, listening with empathy, um, 
uh, asking gently curious questions, all of those kind of things. So checking in is a great place for that, especially if you have time. Uh, next point. So checking in, you can do obviously with a CO2, so it's just two people, but it also works really well in a church, it, and I'm sorry, in a group, which can be church. And so you can do this with a group of almost any size um, with a little bit of creativity. So for instance, let's say you have a larger group. Let's say you've got um, you know eight people in a group. You might do something we call a three-minute check-in or two-minute or four-minute, however long you want to do. We literally would have somebody pull out their iPhone and set the timer for three minutes, let's say, and, and each person gets to share for three minutes. It's amazing how much you can share in three minutes or, again, five minutes. You could be flexible with that. The verse that I keep coming back to on this is Romans 12, 15. Uh, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, checking in is a way to do that. And by the way, you know, when we start house churches, checking in is literally half of what we do in church. Most of the time, we'll actually start a church meeting with check-in. We might take an hour if it's a group of eight or 10 or 12 people to go around the circle and let everybody check in. If you have a problem with somebody who's taking too long, this is a place where you can be in to do timed check-ins so people can learn how to be um, concise. Uh, let's see, next thought. Um, you can check in about uh, different uh, groups. What do I mean by that? Um, you could, um, uh, let's see, actually, I, I just did that when I move on to the next one. You can orient towards time frame. For instance, you could say, let's check in about how I'm feeling today. That's the current. You often do that. Or you could say, what's the primary emotion from last week? You could do that. Or you could do last year. So there's tremendous flexibility on um, how you do the, the time frame that you're talking about. Another way to do it is orient your check-in around a word. So we call this expanding your emotional vocabulary. Sachet, sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender, is a great starting place. But that's sort of basic stuff. It's really fun to expand your vocabulary. So for instance, if you go to Google and just put in there a list of emotional words, you get all kinds of words, a list of 150 different emotions. Um, here's some of the ones that I wrote down that I thought would be particularly interesting. You could say, um, let me just read them first of all. Blissful, checking in is blissful. Checking in is euphoric. Soothed, how about rage? Checking in is feeling rage. Appalled, repulsed, disoriented, timid, spooked, ashamed. So the idea is there's a lot of stuff going on inside of us. And as we begin to expand our vocabulary, we begin to be able to be more, um, more precise on sharing with others what's happening there. I, I took a minute to just settle on the word blissful. That's not a word that I've ever checked in with before, but let me show you what that would mean. You could do this with your CO2 partner. You could do it with a whole group. So you would say to the group, take a few minutes to think about a time when blissful would describe where your heart was. I thought, I, I think I better look up blissful so I know exactly what it means. Best definition is complete happiness. We check in as happy, yes. But what about, were there times where you felt absolutely complete happiness? 
Turns out blissful, I like to look up words, blissful comes from the word blessed, uh, Middle English, blissful, blessed. So I thought for a while about when was a time when I felt complete happiness? Here's where I went. Tammy and I got married in 1989. And the day after our wedding, <clears throat> uh, we got on an airplane. Uh, her parents had paid for a honeymoon. They had been to Bermuda, to this beautiful resort in Bermuda, and they paid for our way to, to go and spend a week at this resort. And so we fly to New York, and then we fly to uh, Bermuda. We land, and it's, it's sort of an all-day event. So we get there. It's dark. Get on a, uh, a, a taxi cab, and we go to the result, uh, resort, but it's, it's nighttime, so we really can't see what's going on. So the next morning, we wake up. Uh, here I am with my new bride, and we open the blinds and look out upon this unbelievable scene. We are right on the ocean. It is a color of blue that I can't even describe to you. It was so bright it almost hurt your eyes. It was just beautiful. So the two of us being in this amazing location, that's about as close to blissful as, as I've been. So that's an example. And as you share these kinds of things, sometimes it's like history giving. We're getting to know each other on a heart level um, in a deeper way. All of that to say, checking in is something you can experiment with, you can be creative with, uh, and something to have fun with. It's just, it's so much fun to find creative ways to do that. Okay, next thing I observe. <laughs> One guy, I think it was like lesson two in Church 101, he was noticing the videos there. Maybe it was lesson one. And this was one of the videos that I did, I don't know, 10 years ago at a coffee shop in Denver. And so it's it's my handheld iPhone and it's um, it's very informal. And his comment was, I noticed that some of these videos are sort of low production. I thought that's, that's such a nice way of saying it. And he said, maybe that was actually intentional. I thought, you're exactly right. Um, when we first started, we thought, oh, we need to think really hard about how to make really nice videos. And then I thought, well, maybe not. I mean, there's a place for that. It's okay to do that. But what if we just did everyday videos? Uh, and what if we convey to the fact that anybody can do this? I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I am not a trained videographer by any means. I just wanted to capture really great stories. And I hope that everybody in Luke 10 has that sort of an idea of capturing what it calls stories that need to be told. And one of the ways we can do that is just these amazing little devices, iPhones, smartphones, whatever, that we're able to do that. Let's create a community of storytellers where we're, storing, we're telling great stories of what God is doing. So, yes, I embrace low production videos that made me smile. Let's see, next observation. Um, I'm gonna talk about this topic of how to, heavy, how to handle heavy emotions. This is again, one of the really unique things that I think uh, Luke 10 um, does training about. Heavy emotions, things like sad, angry, scared. Some of the ones that I mentioned up above, rage would qualify, appalled, repulsed. And when somebody shares a heavy emotion, this is this is a point at which 
there's a huge paradigm shift, especially for pastors and leaders. You see, in the past, we've been trained, and this is true for me as well, we've been trained uh, to um, meet the need. So we might say, you know, uh, let me share a verse with you, or I'd like to pray for you, or whatever. We end up functioning like overactive parents that can create dependency by doing too much for our children. In Luke 10, we have this little saying, which is, I think, so good. As a leader, and same thing as a parent, I want to do as little as possible, but as much as necessary. As a parent, when I'm caring for younger kids, I'm going to do more. I'm going to give more direction or take more leadership. But as time goes on, I'm doing less and less and giving more responsibility to people. We call this giving people agency. So they get to decide what they need. Instead of jumping in with advice or prayers, we say, what do you need? What would be helpful to you? You get to decide. This is a a basic quality of maturity, taking responsibility for myself, asking for what I need. Um, This is a relational brain skill. And by the way, if I'm facilitating the group, I'm not just, how I phrase this question is really important. I'm not just going to say, what do you need from me at this point? Rather, notice this, I'm going to say, what do you need from the group? See, this is a fundamental part of facilitating, and that is giving work to the group. As a leader, as a facilitator, I'm not just discipling individuals, I'm discipling the group as a whole. The healthier the group becomes, um, the more trained the group becomes, the more the group will disciple the individuals in it. Uh, Powerful concept. What is it that you need from the group today? Okay, uh, closing comment. I just read this morning, uh, Colleen Kasky sent um, an article about a revival breaking out at Asbury College. I think that's in Kentucky. And she was sort of asking what I thought about that. And I thought, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, on the one hand, of course, I'm thrilled whenever the Holy Spirit is pouring out, being poured out upon people and they're being revived, brought back to life. That is fantastic. On the other hand, this may sound odd, I feel concerned because I'm concerned about the long-term fruit. I can think of lots of examples where something powerful was happening, lives are being changed, but the long-term fruit wasn't so good. Uh, One example that came to my mind was the Promise Keepers movement back in the 1990s. There were whole stadiums filled with men. I went to a number of Promise Keeper events, and they were tremendously exciting, and there was energy, and there was commitment, and all these kind of things. But over time, the fruit wasn't so good. I talked to one Promise Keeper uh, leader who said, you know, in fact, we would send these men back to their church, and they would have to backslide in order to get level with the spiritual maturity of the church. That's such a sad thing. I'm My passion is that revivals, whether it's Promise Keepers or um, Asbury College or whatever, would be combined with what we do in Luke 10. What we are after here is what would be called sustainable transformation. In other words, lives are changed over time. People are conformed to the image of Christ in such a way that it it continues throughout their life, that there is great long-term fruit. 
And what we have come to see is that this requires a whole different church culture. It's a whole different way of thinking about what church is. It's church that involves whole brain training, not just left brain, not just information, but right brain. In fact, the right brain is probably the most important. And that's what we're about in Luke 10, learning relational brain skills. That's what we're doing here. Um, the next book that's going to be published, and I, I think it's looking like April probably from what I'm hearing now. The book is written, but it's just the process of publishing. Here's the title, Relational Revolution. When you think revolution, think sustainable transformation. Relational Revolution, Five Shifts for Rediscovering Church as Healthy Heart-to-Heart -heart Connection. There are cultural shifts that will need to take place for this to occur, and that's what we're passionate about. Okay, you guys who are listening to this, you are learning those brain skills that allow you to be connected on the heart level with each other with Jesus. You are learning whole brain Christianity. That is so exciting. You guys are at the forefront of the revolution. I want you to know that I am glad to be part of it with you. And I'm going to continue to keep paying attention to when the coach stops me and share that with you. More to come.